both got a little heated last week. Mythical guy in all yellow vandal stuff. Chris, you've been calling for a punt return almost every week, and it almost happened. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to your official, unofficial podcast of the Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me, as always, I have TJ. Hey there. And uh, we have a special guest, friend of the pod, uh, Kyler Neal, who's returning for his second appearance on the pod. He is the Eastern Washington admin on FCS Football Fans Nation. You can find them on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and, of course, their website, fcsfansnation.com. Uh, he's also a co-host of the FCS Fans Nation podcast. You can find him on the interwebs at Neil, N-E-A-L-E underscore 88, um, or at FCS underscore fans underscore nation. Kyler, how you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I'm just down here in Houston getting ready to go up to Seattle um, and, and you know watch those Eastern Washington Eagles take on the Vandals. So it'll be fun. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's rivalry week 2.0 for Idaho. It's uh, actually our true, I guess you could say, protected rival. And I find it funny that, you know, we'll, we'll cover this more as, as we get into it. But, you know, here we are with a, a true in-state rival, but people seem to be more excited for this kind of thrown-together rivalry we have here. But, uh, um, yeah, you can find Tubbs at the Club on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and, of course, TubbsAtTheClub.com. And a reminder that all comments and opinions are owned by each individual on the podcast and do not represent Tubbs at the club as a whole. And uh, yeah, let's, let's jump into reading the Argonaut and we'll, we'll power through this so we can get to our fun conversations with uh, Kyler. But soccer last week had a win 2-0 at Southern Utah and a tie 0-0 at Northern Arizona. That gets us the two seed for the Big Sky Conference Tournament that will start next week, November 2nd in Ogden, Utah. And we now have the winningest, the senior class is the winningest class to ever play in school history. So yeah, they're, they're looking good. They're that's looking a, good. good. They, got a, they got a shot to, to win the whole thing. Uh, volleyball also looking good. They won 3-0 against Kyler's Eastern Washington Eagles last week uh, at home in the Kibbe, or at Memorial Gym. And they also won 3-1 versus Northern Colorado, which actually got them first place in the conference. So they are looking just as good as the girls in soccer, if not better. Uh, this week, they actually play today, the day this podcast is out, against Idaho State. And then Saturday against Weber State. The women's golf team uh, went to the Las Vegas Collegiate Showdown. That's hosted by the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They're currently playing uh, and are under par as a team. Their next tournament is not until February 25th in Long Beach. So this will be the last uh, women's golf update we have for a while. Meanwhile, the men are playing in the Bill Cullum Invitational, and they're currently in 12th, and that's uh, um, down in California. And then this week coming up, they play the Warrior Princeville Makai Invitational hosted by Hawaii in Princeville, Hawaii. So not not a bad place to fly out of Moscow, Mm -hmm. Idaho, and go, go play a little golf, especially right now this time of the year after homecoming. Uh, basketball, we have a preview show coming next week with Brian Marceau. He's going to be helping us out with our basketball coverage. So we'll introduce him to the pod next week and have a little bit of basketball coverage for you guys. But 
quick little points to be aware of. The men's team was picked ninth in the coaches poll and sixth in the media. And the women were picked first in both coaches and media. The Splash Sisters were both recognized. Michaela Ferenz was voted preseason MVP. And Tyler or Taylor Pierce was named to the all-conference team. So looking good for the girls. Uh, their first exhibition game is actually Sunday today, uh, in the Memorial Gym against St. Martin's on October 28th. So if you're in Moscow, go check them out. It's uh, looking to be a very promising year for the uh, Lady Vandals. Uh, football, Kiffy, big comeback. After missing the extra point last week against Montana State, was named Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week this week. Uh, he had an 80-yard punt. How ridiculous is that? It tied the conference record or beat the conference record for the year and tied the FCS record for the year. So, Cade Coffey, way to have a big bounce-back performance. Redemption. Redemption. Now we're into the shuffleboard segment of the show, and we're going to cover our nice 31 31- to 12 victory versus Southern Utah on homecoming announced attendance was 12,798. I would say there is about 20,000 people in the parking lot. (laughs) So we still got to work on that, getting people into the dome, but it was fun. A lot of people showed up. Uh, I'll start the podcast by saying, congratulations, TJ. You were right. (laughs) Uh, We can win a game without throwing a ball for more than 20 yards. Uh, so with that, I will eat crow on Mason Petrano being able to lead us to win without being able to throw the ball down the field. But other than that, TJ, what what do you see? And uh, Kyler, uh, I know you poked in and watched a little bit of this game. What did you guys uh, notice? What are your, some of your takeaways from the uh, Thunder Thunderbirds game? Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, I, I really do appreciate that. Sorry we both got a little heated last week. But, you know, uh, that just goes to show that we're passionate about the Vandals. Um, this game was really fun to watch and an exciting game. Um, I think the Vandals overall played extremely well. I'm wearing my number one jersey right now for Ty Walker. Uh, he had an amazing game. Um, both offense and defense played extremely well. I feel like we moved it, you know, very well every time we, we wanted to, you know, continue our drive. And not only on offense, but defense too. We were flying to the ball. I mean, both Ellis's, uh, Ed Hall, um, we finally got our hot take correct with the, not only the first turnover of the year, but the second turnover of the year. And uh, I know you were fired up about that, Chris. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just a really great game for the Vandals. Um, offensively, uh, I think we're very consistent and accurate. Um, we, we ran the plays that we knew would move us down the field, and um, it worked for us. And then on defense, even though we let up some big plays, um, you know, continually through the game, I don't think we ever got down on that. Um which is good to see because you know those those will happen in games, but you you can't let those you can't let those get to your head and just come back and and know that you can stop them before the goal line is what matters the most. And I think we did that really well. And I gotta say, I've been listening to your guys' podcast, you know, every week. And yeah. Chris, you've been calling for a punt return almost every week, and it almost happened. Yeah, uh, I thought he was gonna break through some of those tackles. Um, that kid, he's fast, he's athletic. I don't know his name, but. Um, Man, he's a, he's a good return specialist. Yeah, he is. Uh, David Unger, he's out of Pullman, uh, so he's a he's a local kid, and man, he just he plays with that fire. He's just such a hard worker, and I still think I you know I don't know if it's Eastern that he'll be able to get one, but I still think before the year is done, he'll he'll get one more um, under his belt. Because yeah, like you said, almost every punt back, it looks like he's just one block or one broken tackle away from really. That's all it was, and then I gotta say, like, so I've watched probably two to three Idaho games now on the season and um Caden Ellis just he does not disappoint he's a beast um he's quick he's big he's you know physical um he matches up pretty well with anyone in the FCS 
So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what he can do this weekend. Oh yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you know, it, he might not have the numbers that like Dante Olson does in, at Montana or you know Bus, but I feel like if you ask Jeff Choate after the season, he, he it's just the way he disrupts games. He's not getting the tackles per se, and he's not getting the interceptions he used to get. But it, I think it's because teams have figured it out. But he still finds a way to be an impact player, even if he's not popping up so much on the box score. But yeah, Caden Ellis has been a saving grace for us for four years. It's kind of hard to believe he's going to gonna leave. Uh, but his younger brother, Christian Ellis, is looking to be able to step in. I feel like every game I watch him, he just looks better and better, which which is good. And, you know, he's a little bit smaller, but that's kind of how Caden was too. Uh, he, he started out small and he kind of grew into the role. Uh, and yeah, and as far as the, the game went, man, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I think Petrino is... He's, I've always been a fan of his, but you know, anyone that follows the team knows if you're a fan of Petrino, I know there's a lot of Vandals out there that aren't necessarily huge fans, but uh, when coach is on, he just has game plans that work. And that's what we saw out of this game coming into it. A lot of people thought Southern Utah and, and they are still, I think in my opinion, better than the record shows, but this was our f- best put together game. I think we've had all year. I honestly think, this game was better than the Western New Mexico game. I think if we had this game plan and this, you know, uh, fire and everything the team had, I think the Western New Mexico game could have been 62-0. I mean, this was by far our best performance on the season. Everything we, we called seemed to work. Uh, Mason Petrino on fire, 19 for 23, 161 yards, three touchdowns. And I don't know if Colton got hurt, but, uh, you know, you know, I'm a big Colton Richardson fan, but he, he did turn the ball over. And when you do that, it, it's hard to take a guy like Mason Petrino who went in and protected the ball and put the ball in the end zone three times to my guy, Cottrell Haywood, who I've been high on all season and can't believe he's only a freshman. And uh, our wide receiving core gives me a lot of hope because they're so young. And I think it's something where we, we can really grow into it. And this game was a, a big game for all of them. I think you really saw the team gain, gain a ton of confidence this week you know, all around Isaiah Saunders did his normal thing, 25 carries for 100 or for 92 yards and a touchdown. And then Ty Walker, 12 carries, 107 yards. He just seemed he seemed just too fast for him. Um, Ty. And, you know, Isaiah <laughs> could have had a, another touchdown uh, on that weird read option pass play where Mason flicked it at the last minute, hit him right in the hands in the end zone. I mean, we could be looking at Isaiah Saunders having a receiving touchdown as well and Mason Petrino having four passing touchdowns. So uh, – it was. That was an he interesting. He probably could have scored and he like just kept it himself. But sure. I mean, to his defense, and he's not not the biggest guy in the mm-hmm. world, and you got a linebacker, or a big safety coming up at you. You know, business decision there, and you see the guy come off the running back. I mean, he was wide open, but yeah, I might have wanted to see him tuck it and keep it there, but. Yeah, it looks like our offense was really just overall balanced. We used every, you know, threat that we had. Um, the read option seemed to be working pretty well. They were talking about on the broadcast that, you know, when Mason's in, he really does have that threat to that D end that he might tuck it and run for, you know, a 15-yard gain. Um, but he continued to uh, make the right reads for there. As far as throwing, yeah, Haywood went off, um, ended up having three touchdowns in the game. Um, but he used every target he had. Um, and it, it was just really you know fun to watch. I liked it when we used all our threats. And then come up with two interceptions, Hightower and Hall. 
uh, on the game, the uh, first turnovers of the year, but, but no yeah, better time than, um, I than think this the weekend. Stats it was awesome. We have here are actually wrong. I, I believe Lloyd Hightower actually had both of them, one in the end zone and one on the first play of the game. Um, and Did he it? was the guy that chased down yeah. uh, the running back who had that breakaway there. I think it was the third quarter where he chased him down from all the way from behind and then stripped it. And then Denzel Brantley picked it up. Yeah. yeah. Did not give up. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. good to see. And I, I mean, awesome. Coach Petrino nailed it when he said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everything's better when you're winning. And it's been kind of a tough year. They've been they've been a little bit down. But uh, when, when you win, everything seems fixed. Everybody seems happy. Uh, I think a lot of people that stayed in the parking lot actually felt like they mm-hmm. missed out on this game because going into the fourth quarter, it was 31-0. And uh, Petrino said he let off the gas a bit uh, in the second half. But uh, – you know, I, I hope that's the case because that's kind of what he said after the Portland State game. Um, and then, you know, things didn't turn out necessarily how we would want at Montana State. So I, I'm hoping that he's just kind of maybe it's true or it could be typical coach speech because, I mean, like I'm sure Kyler's going to let us know uh, here when we, we move on to the Eastern game. But if we get a lead against Eastern and we let up in the second half, it's not going to be a very – short time until that lead is completely dissipated and no longer exists because uh eastern Mm -hmm. isn't going to let you dig in your heels and take take your foot off the gas if you get a lead because uh they don't like people having leads on them and they're pretty good about getting them back if they do (laughs) anyways i mean i don't know if you have too much to cover i mean i know it's Mm -hmm. it's a it was a good game and there's so much to cover but you know i just want to give yeah i know we're about to pick you know, club card players of the game, but I almost want to give them to just about everybody. I mean, Lloyd Hightower, Mason Petrino, uh, both running backs, Ty Walker and Isaiah Saunders, Cottrell Haywood, both Ellis's, uh, everybody, Coach Petrino, like everybody I feel like gets one, but I don't want to spend too much time on this game because I know we've got a lot of fun discussion we're about to have with it being rivalry week for our unnamed mm-hmm. rivalry against Eastern Washington. So I, I want to move on to that, you know, as, as soon as we probably can, but, uh, TJ, do you got any other remarks or anything you want to kind of talk about before we, we move on to Southern Utah or or Kyler for that matter? Yeah. Uh, my club card player of the game, I, I think my definitive one, um, just because of the, uh, you know, kind of the the issues with our secondary um, this season, I think Lloyd Tower, Hightower completely deserves um, the club card player of the game. I love, I mean, that, that pick happened early, which was a great play, um, great interception, but like you said, continue to play till the fourth quarter. Um, we did let up some big runs that he chased down, which it doesn't show up necessarily in the stat sheet, but was, you know, still big to watch as a vandal to take pride that he's still fighting through the whole game. No one, we're not going to you know, let up, let up the gas at all on the defense side. So I think it was a big game for overall defense, but uh, Lloyd Hightower as well coming into this, this big rivalry week. He should be fired up. Knowing yeah, that, you know, um, he's uh, one of the best. Uh, I, uh, in the I'm going to get mine to Cottrell Haywood. You know, he's, he's been my guy all year ever since the scrimmage where he scored, he scored like seven touchdowns in the silver and gold game. Like he, he looked like yeah. the guy that was going to explode. I feel like every game you keep seeing more and more of it. And, you know, he finishes the game with seven receptions, 71 yards and three touchdowns. There's not one more you can ask for that. He averaged over 10 yards of reception. That's a great game. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Jeff Cotton. He averaged over 10 yards of reception. So did Courtney Whitney or uh, Whitney did. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm liking what our wide receivers are doing, even if it is that little small dink and dunk dissection that Mason Petrino does, where it's more likely that he just won't make a mistake than beat you deep. Uh, I, yeah, yep. I, but they're you on know, the right spot. We got a whole different beast ahead of us in Eastern Washington, where I'm not sure if that strategy is going to be the right strategy. But 
for right now, wide receivers, you all did a, everybody did a great job. I don't think there's any negative points really from this game other than kind of maybe the possible letdown there in the in the second or fourth quarter to let them feel like they got some moral victories. But uh, I, I'll give it to Cottrell Haywood. Uh, I've been waiting for it all year. He looks like he's just going to be a beast for the next three years. So I'll, I'll give him. I think it's my first club card player of the game I've given him this year. But if if not, it's he's always been about second or third on my list. So I'm glad I could finally finally grace him with my club card player of the game. I don't get to give a club card, but I'll at least give my hats off to a player because mm-hmm. I've been criticizing your guys' quarterback play so have all we. season. <laughs> and I know you guys, he didn't do anything flashy, but what he played was a perfect you know, game. He managed the game well. Um, he was pretty accurate. Of course, a lot of them were short. But, I mean, he played a perfect style game to take over and manage the game. And I got to give my hats off to him. I mean, that was by far the best game I've seen him play. And um, if he does that, you guys will win some ball games. Yep, yeah, I agree. And I'm glad you gave him one because I, I felt like he deserved one. But I'd already given him one this year, mm-hmm. and TJ already had as well. So I felt like I couldn't give him a second one, even though I, I deserved <laughs> it to him for how hard I was on him last week. But, uh, yeah, he showed up. And uh, I guess some side notes, too, on, on homecoming was cool. Matt Linehan was there, which was cool to see. Uh, Jake Manley. So, I mean, there's a lot of guys back that, you know, were really important to the program, Austin Rico. So it was cool to see the, those guys back. And um, so I, if, if they listen, thanks for coming back. It's I know you guys fire those guys up. I mean, Mason probably saw Matt and was like, all right, let's, let's impress the pants off this guy. You know, this guy's second all time in the, in the school for so many records that uh, it's time to show out. So it was good to see them back. Um, it's always nice to see all the Vandals back for homecoming and, it feels bad to turn the page on homecoming so quick, but when you just have such a dominating performance, it, you can only gloat and puff yourself up so much before you run into the uh, the steel curtain that is Eastern Washington. So moving on, Idaho at number five in the FCS stats poll, Eastern Washington Eagles. Kickoff is 12.05 Pacific Standard Time or 1.05 Mountain Standard Time. It will be on Root Sports. Will mean no Pluto TV. Apparently, people were really confused when they couldn't get Montana State. If it's on Root Sports, it will not be available on Pluto <laughs> TV or Watch Big Sky. So, I mean, if you live in the Northwest, just about every single bar has Direct TV. So, for the Sunday ticket, they'll have Root Sports. So, if you have to walk down the street, you know, do, do it responsibly. So, on your way home, but just pop in Root Sports twelve oh five. I mean, so I guess it's lunchtime. Uh, it'll be at Roos Field. Uh, mm-hmm. They play on the Inferno. So we went from having a rival with blue turf to red turf. Capacity is 8,600. And I've heard rumors that up to an additional 6,000 seats have been added to this game. I don't know if Kyler has better numbers on that, but I know at least 2,000 were brought in. Uh, for those of you that aren't too aware because you were too busy um, partying after the 2009 bowl win, Eastern Washington did win the FCS national title. In 2010, that means they were the best team in the nation uh, in 2010. Uh, they've also won the Big Sky eight times since we left in 1995, five of which have come in the last 10 years. So they've kind of become the class of the conference. That being said, Idaho does hold the series record uh, 15 to 6. But, uh, you know, that that was a long time ago, and Eastern's become a whole different animal since then. Kyler, is there anything I said that you want to – pick apart from that yeah um i'm 99.9 percent sure we didn't bring in six thousand seats uh, so i mean that would put our stadium at close to 
15,000 in. Our biggest game we've ever had at Roos Field was Montana, and that was just under 12. Um, I don't think we can fit 16,000 uh, or 15,000 in that little stadium right now. And I know it's homecoming week, but around campus, or at least I'll find out this weekend, Montana is still the you know bigger matchup in our eyes. I'm hoping that will change. So I just don't see you guys breaking our record of just under 12,000 um, by, by putting in 14,000. But who knows? It would be awesome if we did. And then I will say you said five of the last 10 years. I'll just say we've won five of the last seven. Mm. So it gives us a little better credibility. We've dominated this decade prior to that. It was um, we've had some good years, but this decade's yeah, just been pure dominance. You know, I, I think what will help uh, with this rivalry, because I, I agree with you, um, when making the move to the big sky, and even before that, when I was kind of, I always kind of kept a distant eye on it, just because I you know, grew up in the area, and so you, you know Montana, you know Montana State. I, I had gone to Eastern when I was young to watch back when they had the Seahawk training camps there, so you know, I was aware of Cheney and Eastern Washington, and then obviously when they won the championship in 2010. So I'd always kept an eye on it. And w- when I returned, or you know, when we returned, I was excited for Montana, Montana State. And I get in all these arguments with people that everyone wants to see Montana, Montana State, uh, maybe Idaho State, Eastern Washington, but I was like, and maybe a trip to Portland, but I was like, nobody cares to watch northern arizona northern colorado cal poly sac state and that might still be the case i know there's a lot of talk of thinning down the conference but i think the eastern game is one of the few games i i did underestimate now that it's here and it's getting close and the fact that if we look at it montana and montana state i mean i'm sure you guys have always realized this we'll never match the intensity of that game it doesn't matter if every year we're one and two montana is always going to hate montana state more than they hate us and that's where I think Eastern is in the weird spot that we are yep. too, where their biggest rival didn't necessarily consider them a rival. And now that we don't have Boise State, it seems like such an easy plug-in. You have a school that has re- colored turf, not green. So that's an easy plug-in. And then you have a school that has had more football success than us in recent years. So you've got that to plug in. You have the proximity, not, you know, Eastern's closer than Boise is by four hours. So I, I think, and I've said this before, it being on the Palouse, and the, it's literally a combination of our two biggest rivals, of Boise State and Washington State. And I think with those obviously becoming more and more distant in games we'll ever play, and we're playing Washington State every fifth year now, and Boise State's not on the schedule probably, I mean, maybe ever, but we'll see. I think Eastern's something that we should all try to turn into something because – We'll never match Montana, Montana State, and it seems so natural. And I, I really think it's got a chance to grow. And like you said, I don't know if it's this year, but hopefully this year's game, maybe Idaho keeps it close, pulls it out, or even Eastern stomps us and gets some Idaho fans upset. But I think with the proximity and everything, this this will turn into our biggest rival, no matter how mad I know some people are going to be on Twitter because they still claim that this isn't a rival, and some of them say Montana is not, but – I'm with you, Kyler. I'm excited for this, and I think as time goes on, this is really going to grow. One thing to notice about this game, too, is uh, with the other other sports in the big sky, Eastern Washington is actually our travel partner. So, um, you know, to go down to the uh, Utah schools or over to the Portland schools or over to the Montana schools, uh, we trade, you know, away schedules with Eastern. 
So that means when they're going to play us in basketball or soccer or whatever sport it may be, that's the one game of the week. So I think, um, and they do, they, they do get heated games. I, you know, the travel is very easy to get the Chini to Moscow. And um, I, I think I've seen in other sports, definitely basketball, um, soccer has been an intense game all the way down to club sports, watching hockey, uh, senior night, Alex Munn, you know, getting into it with some Eastern guys. But uh, I think that's going to play a big effect too, is when we're in, in this big sky rhythm and uh, we see this game on the schedule. And I think a lot of Vandals are, I think there's going to be uh, what's going to surprise the Eastern fans is the amount of Vandals that are at this game. Um, and uh, I think it'll, you know, kind of cause an uproar to for, for the future years. But I'm really excited to watch it. I know it's going to be a very intense game and it's going to be a, a big shock, I think, to our players that this is a real big sky rivalry game. The Eastern players are going to get up. They're going to be ready for this. And uh, that's what that's what the Vandals got to do, too, for this game. Yeah, I would say, you know, as our fan base, um, we really like playing Montana. It wasn't because they were our, our true rival. It was more for the last, like, 17 of the last 20 years, one of our two schools have either won the Big Sky or shared the Big Sky title. So it's been more of this is the cream of the crop type of team, and that's how it's kind of built that rivalry with Montana the last 20 years. Um, Now since you guys came in, you know, we don't get to play them every year. So I think a lot of Eastern fans are within five years are going to start really hating Idaho, and I think it's going to make it fun. Um, You guys are super close. Um, We don't really have a true rival and you guys will get tired of playing, getting played second fiddle to Montana State, Montana as well. Um, hopefully this will continue to build, and within five years, you know, maybe we'll have the second best rivalry in the FCS. Who knows? Or at least the big sky. Maybe not the FCS, but. Yeah, and you know, it, it only takes a little bit. I mean, it, it, it could be. I don't want to put a ceiling on it. It could become the greatest rivalry in the FCS. Um, I'm assuming you're talking – Montana, Montana State the best, or is North Dakota State, South Dakota State your label in the best? Oh, no. Montana, Montana State is way better than North okay. Dakota State. Say, I, I'm pretty sure Cat Grizz is even. like the Super Bowl of the FCS, even when they're trash. But <laughs> Oh, our page gets nasty. Yeah. It's hilarious. Um, it's by far the best the best rivalry well, you know, Maybe over time we can get there. I mean, if you think about it, we're, we're closer than both the Montana schools. In a way, you have a little bit of a clash right. in the fact that you have Washington versus Idaho, even though – they're not exactly different when you think Eastern Washington compared to Northern Idaho. They're, they're pretty similar in more ways than they're different. But I think the proximity, Spokane can, can become a huge breeding ground for this rivalry where, you know, there's some cougs there. Uh, they've got Gonzaga to root for. But as far as football goes, this there's a lot of Vandal alumni there. I'm assuming there's a lot of Eastern alumni there. That's a place where this rivalry could really start to, to grow. And it's such a metropolitan area that, you know, I think there's a real shot that this thing becomes, you know, a, a real a, a game to tune in for. I wouldn't be surprised if every year it starts getting picked by Root Sports. And hopefully in the near future, I, I would like that every year we end the season with either you guys or Idaho State. Uh, you know, this year ending it with Florida stinks. It feels like a consolation warm-up game for our guys or to send the seniors out. But uh, I'd like to have, a you know, a true rival at the end of the season and, you guys in Idaho State probably fit the bill because we'll never be end of the season with Montana. So I, I really think it could, could play into that. Um, that being said, yeah, I agree. there is still a game to play, even though how much we want to talk about just the schools and proximity. There is a football <laughs> matchup as well on Saturday, more than just fans from different teams mingling. I don't know if you know, and if you do know, if you would share, is Gubrud 
going to be good for this game? Or are we going to see, is it Barrier or Barry? Barry? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, EB, we just call him EB3, or at least I do. <laughs> um, I will say our coaching staff is keeping it hush-hush, but mm. I highly doubt we'll see Gage. Um, I think we'll see EB3. And um, I know if you guys watched the Port or the Weber State game, you probably have a different opinion on Eric compared to most of us. Um, he's the most talented quarterback recruit we have ever picked up out of high school. Hmm. Um, he's the highest rated. He was a three-star um, and a pretty high three-star. He's way more athletic. He has a bigger arm. He's faster. He's uh, more elusive. One thing is he might not be as accurate, but he's still young and a little experienced. But um, in terms of a talent level drop-off, th- there's really not any. If I mean, I would say it's the other way around. Okay, yeah, because, you know, like I said, I had only seen him at the the Weber State game, and that I only saw highlights because, um, you know, I was at Montana State, so couldn't really just whip out Pluto while I was at the game. But I saw the highlights, and I mean, I see what you're saying. He's got he's got a lot of breakaway speed. I feel like he he's fast, and obviously with how he handled Troy Anderson, that could be dangerous because I like you said he's more athletic. Troy Anderson might be able to have ball carrier vision and realize a big hole and be able to out sprint people towards the end zone, but. This guy is going to be the guy who can juke you, spin you, jump you, um, and just make you look silly out there where Troy, you just had to worry about him trying to bowl you over. So this is definitely a different animal altogether, but at the same time, similar, I guess, hunting styles. I feel like if he looks to run, um, it's going to be hard for us to handle. I I mean, he's got 24 carries on the year for 160 yards and two touchdowns, and that matches his, his throwing production. So... He's uh, we haven't proven that we can stop a rushing quarterback yet. And hopefully we have the scheme for it. I feel like our linebackers should be able to do it, but you know, I also thought our secondary would be better than it was this year. So um, it's been a weird year. Uh, we're, we're still learning a lot of stuff and uh, I don't know. I, I, I like our shots better if he's in just cause you said the, the inexperience where Grubrood's that senior leader, uh, maybe one of the best players in the big sky, if not the nation. Uh, and he's just got that senior leadership that he would scare me at home. But it also stinks that you guys are the third or fourth team we've played coming off of a bye week and the third team we've had to play on their homecoming. So we have just gotten – we've literally got murderers row this season oh, yeah? between <laughs> Idaho State and mm-hmm. UC Davis turning into real powers – having to play Montana state after a bye week in the snow on their homecoming. Mm-hmm. And then we have to go play you guys on the inferno for your homecoming after a bye week. It's just, man, we, we definitely got the, the nice welcome mat rolled out for us to the big sky. Cause uh, it, it's. And that's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I was going to say like, this is, this is a game like we haven't seen before because of kind of the, the, talent and newly tradition that Eastern has. But I mean, you recognizing that it, it is a game that we've seen a, a couple times this year. Um, I think we obviously weren't ready for UC Davis, um, but this is something that we should, you know, definitely be prepared for. But uh, they have lots of threats other than their quarterback. Um, obviously with their, their leading rusher, uh, McPherson and just their overall kind of mentality of how they handle these, these big sky games. Um, we should prepare for that. We should prepare like it is, you know, our rivalry game and, and get ready for that. 
Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I hope our guys are, are ready for. Uh, I, I will say, um, hopefully, our, I mean, we were really banged up last week. It wasn't just Gage that was out. I believe we had three of our O line out. Um, Sam left after the first quarter with an injury. So, I mean, when you're playing Weaver's front seven, who are probably the most aggressive front seven in all of the FCS football, like, man, they're fast, they're physical. Um, that inexperience showed a little bit. And it, I think we yeah, had just bad play calling. So, if we're healthy and our coaches um, figure out some play calling, because, man, we were going for it on fourth and four in the red zone and fourth and one when we um, our kickers never missed on the season yet. If we hit those, the game would have been 12 to 14, right. and we had the ball in the last two drives trying to force a TD. Um, we could have easily won if we weren't so aggressive. Um, but it is what it is. Hopefully we're healthy because Idaho's coming off a big win. They're feeling confident. They're get, They're going to get up for this game. It'll be fun. Yeah. I. This is a weird point to kind of revert back. You guys have played Southern Utah this year, correct? Actually, I have my stats in front of me. I could have just... Yeah, with, with Eric, with our backup. All right. So, I don't know how you thought of... How you think of this. That's why I'm kind of asking. I was... So, where my tickets are, I'm on the, the away sideline. And they are... They're kind of small. I And... I haven't seen two. I feel like Montana State. I didn't notice as much of a size difference. I don't know if you guys noticed that as well. I, I when you were talking about Weaver State and their front seven and you know how aggressive they were, I was thinking just how big we looked compared to their offensive linemen last week. And I know Southern Utah was good. I don't know if maybe it's the difference between they had a lot of seniors last year or what, but I don't know what you kind of saw with them because I we haven't played too many big sky teams still um obviously we've we've only on our on our 6th game here but I I was not impressed I was surprised that they won last year cuz they did not look D1 size-wise. I don't know if is that a common trend in the FCS or is that something you noticed with them or is it just kind of a a weird year for Southern Utah cuz that's one of our few common opponents and uh that in Montana State and I don't know if you noticed Montana State being bigger too, but I just kind of want your input on that. So Southern Utah is actually normally really big. Um, they were heavy senior year this last year. They lost a lot of people on both sides of the ball. Um, they lost their quarterback, and now they're actually – they played you guys with, their, I believe, their third string quarterback. Yeah, and they put him in oh, – um, that's a fun thing. They I don't know if you heard about this. They uh, put one of their wide receivers wide didn't receivers. make the trip. <laughs> And they swapped out jerseys with him. So one of their quarterbacks was wearing number 87. Yeah, because I think two of their quarterbacks were injured before this game. So they're like, they have zero depth. Um, but they were a very big line last year. And that's what made them win a lot. But they were all seniors. Like, they, they're they all gone. This is a, a brand new team. They're young. Um, my guess is within a couple of years, they'll bulk back up. But yeah, we, we were a lot bigger than them. And Eastern is normally one of the smaller teams. Um, in the FCS, or at least the Big Sky, we're normally you know the smaller, faster, aggressive, um, more athletic team. But we were bigger than Southern Utah this year, which was weird because Southern Utah's always been huge. Yeah. Um, and so I guess for the for the people out there that you know are going to the game, you are an alum. You got to give the people the spots. So you know, for some people, this could be their first trip to Cheney. Uh, I know a lot of students are planning on making the trip. Uh, where are the spots that you got to check out if you want the the Eastern Washington history of football, basketball, baseball? Where's the fun spot the pregame? Where's the fun spot after the game? Where's a uh, you know where 
should people be checking out for their, their trip to Cheney this weekend if they make the trip up? So to be honest, there's not a lot of history. As, as much of a bummer as that is, um, I would say we got a national title. And if you want to see the history of 2010, you just go to the football stadium. Uh, it says national champs on it. No, other than that, Eagles Pub is a good place. Um, that's right off Main Street. Um, but Cheney's a small town. Um, it makes Moscow look pretty big. So small town, but Eagles Pub's probably my favorite bar there. Um, I'll be tailgating there, so I'd say stop by, you know, parking lot P9 and say hi to me, and we'll at least drink some Rainier or something <laughs> yeah. together. Uh, I was just, I'll give you a history yeah, lesson. Do you guys have any <laughs> – uh... Any weird like laws we need to know about? Because I know, like for us last year, obviously they they banned alcohol from the tailgate, but that just turned into everybody pouring it in cups and riding apple juice. Is there anything weird people need to know about in in Cheney or anything like that, or is it pretty straightforward? Don't be an idiot, and you'll be fine. Enjoy the game. I mean, back when I was in college, just you know, six seven years ago, and I haven't actually been to Cheney since since I moved to Phoenix and now Houston. I've always caught them on away games. Um, but back when I was up there, you could actually tap your keg from the car. Now I heard that's no bueno. So, I mean, for an alcohol, it's a, it's a wet campus, so you can have your alcohol. Um, I don't know if they make you pour it in cups now. I'm not sure. But back when I was there, you could have your keg in the back of your pickup. Um, it, it really didn't matter. But, yeah, just don't be an idiot. The teeny police are pretty pretty easy going. I mean, I was kind of a reckless college kid, and I never got in any trouble. That's so. good. Just, yeah, don't be an idiot, and you're good. Yeah. All right, so that, that brings us to the keys to the game. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with you because I'll be fun. If, if you were the Vandals, how do you think we're going to have to attack you guys? What what would be your key to the game for us to pull out an upset? Because it would indeed be an upset. Right. Um, I think you're going to have to beat us in the red zone, and that that's offensively and defensively. So – Normally, Eastern's defense has been ranked, you know, the bottom 10 in the FCS the last four years. It hasn't been good, but it's it's more because our offense scores real quick, and towards the end of the game, our defense is out there 80% of the game. Well, this year, if you take away our Washington State game out of the equation, we're only giving up 17 points a game um, compared to, like, the 35 it was last year. So defensively, we're, we're much better um, on that side of the ball, and I think – we're susceptible to the run game, especially if, you know, JT Tooley doesn't play. He's our 320-pound, you know, DL who's – he's a beast. He was, you know, big sky, preseason All-American last year, got injured in the Texas Tech game and didn't play. So we've got a redshirt him, medical redshirt. So he's looking healthy. He's disrupting everyone. Um, but I would say you got you to gotta keep us guessing. You're going to have to run. You're going to have to pass. Um and you're you're gonna have to try and stop stop really our running game this year, which is weird to say. If you stop our running game, it's gonna um, disrupt our offense. Which in previous years, it's the complete opposite. We didn't have to run ten yards on anyone to beat them. Um, now we're we're rushing for over you know two hundred and seventy yards a game versus FCS opponents. Um, we're passing two hundred and seventy yards a game. Um, but if you disrupt our running game. Uh, that that's where it could create some problems, especially for possibly an inexperienced quarterback in Eric if he's playing and not Gage. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off off all those points. I think that um, <clears throat> you kind of said it all. Um, one thing we do need to be is on cons- uh, consistent on offense. Um, you know, we kind of saw a glimpse of it uh, last week, but they have to do it again. And like you said, score in the red zone. That's kind of been an issue uh, this season. Is really not being able to punch it in, and we can't 
really rely on field goals this game um, to you know to get us to a, get us to a win. And then on the defensive side, yeah, exactly is what we need to do is not. I mean, we're going to give up some big plays. That'll happen. It's a really athletic and talented Eastern team. Um, but you, you know, when it gets down to the red zone, know that we can we can shut them down and we can hold them to a field goal or even force a turnover would be huge. Um, but also be consistent on that defensive side. Um, coming off a big game this week of nearly a shout. I mean, it was that defense played great up until you know you, you know the fourth quarter got a little uh, got a little tired. But um, be consistent, stop them in the red zone. And uh, keep giving them different looks, the read option, the short passes, um, and uh, and I think we'll be able to uh, put up a good fight. I think if you you'll be able to beat us on special teams, I think as well. Um, maybe not field goals because we're actually kicking really good, but I mean we gave up a punt return um, last week versus Weber State, and after watching how athletic your your punt returner is, that could be an issue. Um, we only gave up seven points offensively to Weber State, and I mean they're averaging thirty points per game against the Big Sky, so. Um, special teams will be key. Red zone will be key, especially your red zone defense. We, we did not play very good in the red zone last year. Off, I mean, last game offensively. Um, if you can maybe make a stumble a couple times, um, that will throw off maybe the confidence of Eric. But if you let us do what we did to Southern Utah with Eric, I mean, he dominated them. We scored 55 points against them. And I mean, that was with our backup. So you, <laughs> he can definitely put up some points, especially if he's confident, if you rattle him. That's where things can get interesting, but don't don't let him get confident. My key to the game is going to be just uh, have more fire. I I think we ha- we had the athletes, and coming off last week's performance, you know it it looks like we are might be able to put together a game plan. Obviously, you know it is Southern Utah, and everyone does think they are better than their record shows. But that being said, their record still shows that they haven't been very good this year. So you can't put too much stock in that. But I just feel like. This game is a little bit more important to Idaho right now and the fact that we have to salvage a season here where Eastern might come into this knowing how we've played this year. Mm-hmm. We might be able to get on top of them a little bit early if we just come out with some fire and then it's just, you know, keep that fire and maintain and, I mean, fight and fight and fight because it is not going to be easy. Um, we're definitely going to, I bet you we're a 17 point dog in this game. It's going to take a lot. And, you know, like it's their homecoming seats are being brought in. It's going to be loud. It's probably the other than Montana state with the snow. um, I just looked it up. It's going to be 45 on Saturday. It's going to be one of the tougher (laughs) games we play. Uh, But I, I think if we get the right bounces early and the guys can stay fired up and if Gubru doesn't play, we, we've got a shot, uh, but I mean, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. With that, score predictions. Um, so awesome thing called the Versus Simulator that Kyler actually turned us on to. Um, kind of ranks every single team. That's yeah, it's, uh, you know, they they rank every single team all the way down to, you know, NAIA. So uh, right now they have Idaho ranked 189th. They have Eastern Washington ranked 100th. Um, you know, we, we're 204th best offensive team, 190th defense. They're 93rd offensive, 111th defense. Uh, we, they're, um, two and two versus teams over 500. We're 0 and four. They're three and oh, we're both three and oh against teams under 500. Their best win is Montana state. Our worst loss is Montana state. Our best win is Portland state. And obviously their worst loss is Weber state who is a top hundred team in the country as well. So, 
it's going to be hard. They're averaging 39.7 points a game. We're averaging 27.4. We're giving up on average 34.0 points a game to their 22.3. So they have it projected at 42 Eastern Washington, Idaho 16. So 26 points is what Versus has. Kyler, what do you have for a score prediction for us? I don't think it will be a 27-point victory. Um, I do think Eastern's a little bit pissed off, you know, losing to Weber that we, we easily could have won. Um, and the good thing is we're not going to be overlooking you guys because we actually play Northern Colorado next. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe for these last two weeks, we've spent all of our time focusing on Idaho because um, we play UC Davis in a couple weeks. But um, I would say I don't think you guys score 20 on us. Um, my guess is a 34 to 17 type of win. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's just my opinion. Well, I'm I, I like to hear that. That, that, that fires me up now. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to go a little bit lower. Um, I think kind of with the injuries to uh, both sides, um, I think it's going to be a lot closer of a game. I think it's going to be intense. And I think with the way uh, Eastern and Idaho kind of eats up clock within the game and their offense, I think it's going to be a little bit lower. I'm going to go 23 to 20 Idaho. All right. See, I was afraid that you were going to pick Eastern TJ because you're usually the more level-headed here. And I was like, we can't have an Eastern sweep on the pod. So now you're making me ask between heart. Um, I'll I'll give a head and a heart. I'll give in my head, I think Eastern wins 30 to 17. In my heart, I think we pulled out 24-20. So that's, that's my prediction, um, and, and I'm going to stick with both of them. <laughs> I, I hope you hear, right. from it. I hope you hear um, about it. So before we mm-hmm. move on to ask, hashtag AskTATCs, Kyler, you've been on the podcast once before, so you know about getting iced. Is there anything football-related or not football-related that you would like to ask TJ or I or both? Hmm. How would you rank and, and be brutally honest? Hmm. How would you rank Eastern Washington Stadium versus the rest of the Big Sky? Well, that made it a lot easier. The rest of the Big Sky has been, if I'm saying so, there's a lot of work that needs to be done by some of the bottom half. Um, obviously, I haven't been to every stadium. I've only been to, let's see, I've been to Ruse. I've been to obviously the Kibbe Dome. Now I've been to Bobcat, I've been to Holt, and I've been to Washington Grizz. Uh, between the ones I've been to, it's better than Holt Arena. I do like the Kibbe Dome better, just because I think what the it's been more recently renovated. So I like the windows. I like how they made it lighter and less cavey in there. I know a lot of people wish we still had the cave appeal because it's intimidating or what have you, but I'd rather just enjoy a game. But I, I think you guys are better than Northern Colorado, uh, better than probably, ah, I don't know. I don't like the walk-up dome, so better than Northern Arizona, better than Southern Utah. I haven't been to Weber. I didn't think it was that impressive, but apparently people really like it. I wasn't impressed by UC Davis, but, uh, I mean, it is bigger, and I know they have grand plans to make it an awesome stadium. But I'd say you guys are – Middle, I know you're not a huge fan on it, but I'd probably put you at like <laughs> six, seven. Well, thank you. Well, I, I what I th- yeah, I put it. Go ahead. <laughs> I said I put us at ten. Um, I think we have Eastern fans will hate me saying this. I think as of right now, we have a pathetic stadium for 
the way our team plays. It's brutal. I hate it. I think, I think what's <laughs> tough about kind of, you know, this uh, maybe build up to it being a rivalry game and, and uh, Roos Field is that that's a that's a Palouse stadium. I mean, if you really have to, you know, be tough, be Palouse born and uh, go to school there, understand what it's like to sit through a November, December game on a metal seat. You know, that that's something that, especially, you know, playing some FCS schools in the tournament that come from the East Coast or, or Midwest is that that you have to play against the elements there, not only for their team, but for their fans as well. Um, I think I think it's pretty cool. You guys have to, you know, bear a lot sit, sitting outside there uh, in Chini. Um, so I, I I think I put it top five just for uh, you know kind of the the effects that everything has on it and uh, how tough it is to play in there. Well, y'all are too nice. <laughs> well, it, it also <laughs> helps when, dome. It, when you're winning and you have a red turf that's recognizable. <laughs> I mean, you take away the red turf, you probably drop to like like you said, probably <laughs> nine or ten. And then if you're not winning as much as you are, you're you're probably closer to northern Colorado and southern Utah than you are the top half. But winning has something to say about it, atmosphere. And, I mean, you have something unique. Everybody knows about the red turf. Um, but right. it, I'll give you this. It's better than blue turf. So congrats mm-hmm. there. Cheers to that. For sure. It actually doesn't look too yeah. bad live. Um, on TV, it looks a little more brutal <laughs> yeah, than actual live. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. so now we're we going to move into hashtag AskTATC. Uh, we start with the one we asked you guys, the fans, and uh, the best fan-submitted name. So you have until game time, so noon kickoff. Uh, feel free to keep commenting on the poll. The best one that we all think from the Tubs of the Club crew, and maybe we'll even ask T- Kyler for naming the rivalry, will actually win two front row tickets and a parking pass to the North Dakota game next week. So if you don't have tickets and you want to go or you're in the area, all you have to do is come up with a cool-ass name for this rivalry. But anyways, we asked you guys. We only have 43 votes, but there's still time left in the poll because you, you know we're recording this podcast a little bit earlier than we normal do or normally do. But we asked, special week for the unnamed rivalry at number five, Eastern Washington. What would you name the rivalry? And then go on and do it. Uh, so we had the ones that kind of I bounced around and have heard and whatever, but obviously – most people that listen to the pod know I'm a huge fan of the Red Scare. That got 26% of the vote, and I do need to give credit to Montana Parlay from the Montana Mint. He is the one who came up with that. Uh, then the Produce Cup, uh, which got 14% of the vote. The Palouse Pow Wow got 28% of the vote. I don't know how. And then we have 33% that said other. Comment below, but there's only a few that were commented. Um, out of those three, which one do you guys like the best? Huh. That's tough. I like, I mean, those are all pretty good. I'll give you that, Chris. Um, I, I like the Red Scare from the start. I get that it takes a little bit of explaining with kind of, you know, the the town of Moscow and it being the Red Turf. Um, but I think till somebody comes up with something better, maybe a trophy, uh, I like that. I'm not a big fan of the produce one. That's kind of that's odd. I, I like, um, actually don't mind the produce cup. I don't mind the Red Scare. Um, either one could actually have a I don't know how you yeah. build a trophy for the Red Scare. That, that would be Oh, I have an idea. I heard you're with the Russian flag and, you know, holding an apple and holding a, a potato. <laughs> something potato. else. <laughs> <laughs> something, maybe not Palouse powwow, but something with Palouse in it would actually be um, kind of cool. But mm. we need to find some type of name and make it stick. Yeah. So we're going to go through all the users submitted. And I just want you guys to say if you'd consider it or if it's an instant throwout. So – 
I started off with, so it used to be called the Governor's Cup. And then when we left, Eastern Washington transferred that name to their rivalry with Montana. Now they're not playing Montana. How do you feel about just renewing it as the Governor's Cup? We'll throw it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to bring back the Governor's Cup for Montana again. So get rid of it. Yeah. Nick, Nick Stutz. I know what you said. Yeah, Nick Stutzman actually like, had some points on that, though. He said, number one, it's an obnoxious colored field with bad academics. That was a little shot. Maybe a little <laughs> harsh there. Two, but that was more a shot at Boise State, I'm assuming. Two, was originally Governor's Cup before changing it. BSU, Idaho, and then Eastern Washington changed it to Montana. So there's a reason to bring it back. And then Eastern Washington and Montana don't play each other as rivals anymore, and neither do Boise State and Idaho. So that was his points to bring it back. However, I like this one. Wax Sparty Pants at Wax Sparty Pants. How about the Tussle for the Tub, sponsored by Tubs at the Club? (laughs) (laughs) And he he found this crazy-looking trophy thing, but uh, you'll have to check us out on Twitter at TubsAtTheClub.com to see that. Martin suggests – oh, sorry, yeah. How about – Tussle for the tub. Throw it out or keep it? Hey, I'd keep it as long as what we could do is, you know, it doesn't sit at the actual stadiums or the schools, but you build a little trophy and it goes from the tubs at the club or the corner club, Ooh, okay. and it goes to the Eagles that's pub. That's catching on. So uh, that's what we do. We need some traction on that. Uh, Martin had got quite a few. Uh, how about King Lentil? Like the King Spud, but worse and more of a nightmare-inducing. Both schools will just forget about about it and ignore it, please. So I don't know. I know you listen, but have you ever looked up a picture of the King's Bud? I have not. Ugly trophy mm-hmm. we had I've with Idaho State that times. was so bad that the Idaho State <laughs> coach, when he lost, because it went to the winner, said, I'm glad we lost. That trophy is so ugly, it should go to the loser. And it is a pretty horrible looking <laughs> trophy, and nobody knows where it is apparently. But I would say that's a throwout for me. What do you guys think? Toss. Hard toss. Then he also liked something called the Lentil Bowl. Um, it celebrates the produce and crops grown in the region. The trophy would be a bowl of lentil soup, and he's 100% serious about it. Or it could be a giant combine <laughs> that is painted with the winning school's colors. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That would, A giant combine? <laughs> Man, silver and gold or build a new city? red and black. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it is something to do with the area. But I, it, it's pretty excited, or it's pretty tough to get excited about lentils, maybe. The lentil bowl, I'd I, I toss it. Yeah. Awesome. The Inland Empire Showdown. That's by Nick Stutzman at Nick Marv Stutz. Awesome. That one. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I, and we both, uh, I was going to say, we both play on uh, it's, it's SXW or SWX. Uh, same inland uh, broadcast for sports. I think that works pretty well. They would back it up, you know, possibly. I like it. And then uh, Coach Joshua Lovren at Joshua Lovren. The Red Gold Clash. Mm, that's pushing it, bro. <laughs> the, the big game. <laughs> the game. Yale. Yeah, in Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, and then the Border War. Or border war. Ooh, that one could stick, too. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, that one's uh, not bad. There's a couple then we had that. Nick Stutzman and Coach Joshua Lovren have differing opinions on a pretty similar name. Nick Stutzman thinks it should be the rivalry that never was, and Coach Joshua Lovren thinks it should be the rivalry that it wish it was. <laughs> it's, a, it's very vague. <laughs> they both. Um, and then, yeah, Spencer Farron has not actually a rivalry game. That's obviously a toss-out. Like I said, some people are, are don't think it's going to turn into anything. Uh, Nick Stutzman also has Farmer's Feud. 
Yeah, I don't see a trophy. Um, then Chuck Caswell at Chuck Caz has it as the border brawl. That sounds good. Uh, some idiot named Chris Hammond did some research and said, what about the rivalry 77.7? It's the distance between the Kiwi Dome to Bruce Field. It's also an hour and 34 minutes for you guys oh, really? driving there. Lucky 777. That's what I was thinking, like triple sevens or I don't know. But uh, I got a lot of flack for <laughs> that one. <laughs> so I'm going to say that's a toss-up. And then uh, there's a funny one. It doesn't really apply. But um, the Corner Club itself tweeted out at us. And said, I feel like everyone is look overlooking the obvious, the solo cup. But then we decided that that would actually be the would have been the perfect game for our quasi rivalry with New Mexico State. But then that was also would have been better known as the Independent Cup or the geographically unappealing bowl. <laughs> but, uh, I actually like the solo cup. That one's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you guys a red solo cup if you know you win. Right? We'll yeah. fill it up with Rainier. I think it'd be kind of cool if you use the uh, both highways on the Idaho uh, uh, border, like the 95 to the 195 rivalry. Just something with the uh, trying to get their guys. Just throwing it out there. I like the one that we uh, said keep. We should do another poll for narrowing uh, down Yeah. Um, so now we'll move on to a couple actual hashtag ask TATCs. Unless um, Kyler, do you do you have a name you mm-hmm. you've ever you've thought of that you would like to share and maybe have Great requested point. yourself? Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I'd love, I'd love to have it do something with, you know, gear, because all, all hops are thrown out Washington now, but I got nothing. I like all the ones that you said that we said keep. So now we'll move on to some real hashtag STATCs. This one comes from Martin at Hemi underscore 71. Hashtag STATC. As an Idaho fan, I only think of Eastern Washington as a basketball rival. Do you see that changing once they start to play more regularly on the field or will it mainly be basketball? With UM, our primary football rival, and eventually ISU joining the fray for football mm. rival, or as a football rival down the road. It's pretty much he's saying, right now, Eastern is, you know, we've been pretty good at basketball the last couple of years, the both of us. Is this going to morph into a football rivalry, or is it better as just a regular old basketball rivalry? I'll say if Eastern keeps winning how we are, we are turning into the second most hated team in the big sky after Montana. Um, where now people who are not even close to our rivals are saying like Northern Arizona. Um, I watched a game with them and they were asking all these students, what's your biggest game you've ever you know, attended or what was your favorite game? All of them are saying the Eastern Washington win in like 2015 or whatever um, when we weren't even good. But I think the game will develop as a rivalry. It's just going to take time. I know like for Montana, all the newer students that are maybe my age, they don't view Idaho as a rival at all. They view Eastern, but then all the older groups, they view Idaho and not Eastern. But I think at the end of the day, within a couple of years, especially if they're close games, both teams are going to hate being Montana's second you know, rival across the board. Um, I think it's it's going to develop into a big rivalry, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, th- I think it will take a couple of years for people to realize that this football game is a big deal. It's kind of a home and away situation, but um, it is big in basketball and those other sports where you know, um, especially the athletes know that it's a big game. It's the only game of the week for them. Um, it's really close, so it's it's kind of a battle to win geographically. Um, but I do think it's going to take some time, you know, especially for Idaho fans. We're still kind of getting adapted and used to this this big sky schedule. Um, but I, I think for years to come, it, it's going to, it's going to be big. Once, you know, Tubbs at the club figures out or Kyler's podcast, we figure out a, uh, a name rivalry. All rivalries have to have a name. Yeah. 
One thousand. Right. Exactly. Picking up some speed. We're working on it. And Lawrence hates it when I ask people that question. Every, mm-hmm. every single ask a question, but that's why. <laughs> um, so we'll bounce back actually, because I want to keep all the people that tuned in just to listen to Kyler um, from the FCS Fans Nation to you know waiting on an eager arm. But Landon Johnson from the FCS Fans Nation, he's a big Eastern Washington guy. He had a question for us. Will Petrino make it to the end of the season if Idaho doesn't win another game? I don't see many wins left for them on their schedule. Yeah, yes. He, he's going to be there for, I think, a couple years. Um, I know it's kind of looking a little bit different right now with kind of his coaching decisions and uh, the uh, our uh, record this year. But, uh, yeah, I think he's still a great coach. He's in perfectly with University of Idaho and Moscow and you know, I want to see him grow with us in the big sky. Yeah, and, and we've we've kind of answered this on our podcast, Landon, uh, if, if you tune in and listen to this. But the uh, fact of the matter is his contract's through 2021, and, you know, he's the second highest or highest paid coach in the FCS right now. We're running a deficit as an athletic department. Unless some big money boosters just really want him out of town mm-hmm. more than they want a basketball arena, it's just we're not going to have the funds to, to buy his buyout. And like I said, there's a lot of us that still believe in him. He can frustrate the heck out of us a lot of the time, but he, when he puts in the effort, he really can put together a game plan. is is one heck of a ball coach, and I don't think I think a lot of people can look over whatever their thoughts of are on the Mason and Paul relationship and think that whenever this is done, he'll be able to get another Matt Linehan type in there and we'll be able to compete. And you know, his game plan last week made it look like. Um, maybe there are a couple of winnable games on our schedule with Mason. So maybe it doesn't come down to only having a couple wins left, but, uh, Kyler, do you have any thoughts on that one? Um, maybe if he has a couple, you know, seasons struggling versus the big sky, he'll be on the hot seat, but no, I mean, I, I, even if you lose every game, which I don't see you guys losing every game to end the season. Um, I think he's totally fine. The big sky is just totally different than the Sun Belt. It's going to take time to adjust. It's, it's not. I'm not saying the Big Sky is better than the Sun Belt or the Sun Belt's better than the Big Sky, but it's completely two different different styles of play. It's gonna take time to adjust to the offensive heavy. You know, we're gonna bomb it down the field instead of a power power eye type. You know, Southern running game. So no, he'll be fine. He'll adjust. Um, it's just it's 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 not gonna be an overnight thing, especially when you're switching to any conference. I think any conference you're gonna have you know struggles to start. Yep, and uh, so now we get a lead to um, our heavy hitter on the hashtag AskTATCs, Brian Marceau, at Brian Marceau, at Tubbs of the Club. Things clicked for the Vandals today. Which part do you assign to us being good, and which part do you assign to Southern Utah being bad? Um, we try to roll through these kind of quick, because he, except for, like, he does have a really good one I want to spend some time on with you, but uh, I would say a lot of it was us being good, because like I said, I don't think Southern Utah is super bad i'm going to say a mixture of both because eastern was very injured and we beat them 55 to 17 so i don't think southern utah is that good this year um i think they're really inexperienced like i said they were down to like their third quarterback um i don't think they're as bad as their record shows but i also don't think they're very good so i would say idaho played a really good game but southern utah's not very good. <laughs> yeah, I I, could, I think it was a little bit of both. Too. I think you could tell on their big plays. Um, I you know they had a big enough hole to you know run sixty yard runs to you know to the house, and we were able to uh, catch up with them and track them down. But 
if it was a good team, if it was like Eastern or um, UC Davis, they would have taken that house. So I think it was a little bit of both, but we also played very, very well. So um, another one of Brian's real quick that's uh, a little bit easier to answer, and then we'll get to his two better ones. Can you comment on us having lost every Big Sky second half? We are minus 36 in the second half. So um, it kind of goes into what we talked about earlier, in my opinion. Uh, Petrino claiming, like I said, we, we don't really know, but he claims he's been letting off the gas because he's more involved in getting wins right now. Um, and probably is a little worried that this team is more likely to make mistakes if they keep their foot on the gas, where he feel, at least offensively-wise, while he he has faith in the defense. So I I think in the competitive games, I know Montana State's a terrible example because that's the one that comes to mind of a big comeback back. But in the beginning of the year, TJ and I were talking about we wanted our teams to start faster because they were starting so slow. And now it did kind of flip, and we're starting fast but not finishing. Um, I think it's just some fluky stuff that just comes with matchups. And I don't think it's necessarily a trend. And uh, with uh, Brian's question, I thought the same thing going into this uh, second half was like, Oh man, are we going to be able to score? You know, going back to the uh, Western New Mexico game, it's like, well, how could we not score? How can we not put points on the board? And I think it does have to do a lot with the gameplay and that's not an excuse, but uh, I, I completely agree that it's something we have to focus on for this week is that we have to play two full halves. And not going to halftime and saying, oh, shit, hope, we, um, hope our uh, score from the first half carries over and, you know, we can hold on by scoring one touchdown or another. We have to make it equal for both. And that's something we have to look at uh, this week and at halftime of this game. Yeah, and then so moving on, and this one will be fun to hear uh, Kyler's response. And this is the last one we'll answer, Brian, it's, uh, just because, you know, we're, it's already running long and we've got a couple more stuff on the docket. But at Tubbs at the club. I feel we firmly are in the second tier of the Big Sky, joining Montana, Montana State, and Northern Arizona, the OK teams with fatal flaws. Eastern Washington, UC Davis, Weber State, and Idaho State are the top tier. Agree or disagree? Hashtag AskTATC. Are, so are we talking about strictly just this year of tiers? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Speaking of, we're, we're involved in it. Um, I guess... Huh. Because like, the Big Sky's weird. It's been... You know, there there's teams like Idaho State or Portland State who's really good one year and then fall off the face of the earth for the next five. Um, so I wouldn't consider Idaho State in the top tier at all. Yeah, I think he means um, I think they're more of a middle of the pack, and they've played really good to start the year, but I think it's going to crumble. Um, I would say as of right now, talent-wise, Idaho is, you know, possibly up in that top tier um, execution more towards the bottom. So I'd average it out and say, yeah, you guys are probably tier two, but for tier one, I mean, just these last couple of years, I, I would only say Eastern and Weaver are really tier one with UC Davis playing really well now, but I don't know how it's going to fare when the tougher part of their schedules, you know, turns around. So yeah, you guys all give you for at least, you know, talent wise, you're, you're in the second tier. Um, and I, I think it's just going to, like I said earlier, you just need to adapt to a completely different style of conference. I think you guys are better than you're playing. Um, there are some issues you guys have on offense, and when you're in an offensive-heavy conference, that's where it's showing. But defensively, you guys are playing stout for the most part. Yeah, you guys, I think, could be a Tier 2. And I really like that answer. That I exactly hits Idaho um, on, on the nail for uh, this season. I think this season where we're at so far, it, it is sad to say, but, you know, kind of just doing the podcast throughout the year, I, I would say we are tier two. Um, but 
these last two weeks, we are clicking to, um, you know, actually show signs of us, you know, jumping up to being one of the better teams in the big sky. Um, but, you know, like you said, we, we weren't expecting this conference to look like this. And uh, I think with the last two weeks, if we continue on this kind of route uh, for the rest of the season, we have a good chance to make a jump up there and, you know, actually have a, you know, a strong say in possibly a postseason. I know it's kind of a lot to hope for. Um, but I think with right now, with how we, that we've handled the big sky this season for just this year, and in football, I would say bottom tier. Yeah, I definitely think uh, we're moving up the tiers. If we are tier two, we're probably the last one in tier two right now. Um, to, and to just kind of address Kyler's point that you kind of brought up, I do think if you look at programs, like who you can expect to be consistent in the big sky, I do think we'll fit that tier one status. It just stinks that we're here where we are this year. Um, but I think if you look at it, Eastern's going to be there, Montana, Montana State, Idaho, probably Weber. And then I think UC Davis, as long as they keep Dan Hawkins, will always kind of be hanging around too. But yeah, as far as this year, I'd say the win last week might have crawled us in the tier two. Uh, uh, Kyler and I do do power rankings every single week on the big sky. Uh, I, ha- I haven't done mine this week, but you know, I, I usually have Idaho around 10 to 7, I think, for most part of this year. So yeah, I mean, we're flirting with tier three, tier two this season um, is kind of how I've, I've had them, but we do have uh, two guys that actually listen to the podcast that I consider probably two of the smartest, (laughs) if not the two smartest people um, on the FCS. And they have a question for you, Kyler, actually. Um, I don't know if you've heard of these guys, Lawrence Smith and uh, Matthew Frazee. No, those guys suck. uh, (laughs) Um, they want to know, it has been since 2010 since the Big Sky has had a team represented in the national championship. What has caused this absence from the Big Sky? Lawrence would like to remind us, uh, make sure to remind them that the Missouri Valley, the CAA, the Southland, and the Ohio Valley Conferences have all sent a team to Frisco in that time span. Well, I would say Eastern has done a poor job coaching in the fourth quarter. In most of our semifinals games, like we've been to the semis four times this decade. Right. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've never been bullied. We lost, I don't know if you guys saw in 2016. Oh, Town, that was we sad. lost on a fluke behind the back pass from Youngstown State, which we were dominating the whole game. And then we let off the steam. We let off the gas. And we just, we were content playing the way we were. And which was dumb, especially in that cold weather. Like it our type of offense that we've had historically, we're a momentum-based team. If you let off and, and start running when we're not running through most of the season, I mean, it's just not going to work. And then when they started trying to play catch-up and it started you know, scoring in the 12 degrees, um, we, we were cold. We, we came out cold in the fourth quarter, and we you know let these teams catch up by 14 points. Um, but we... <laughs> We've made just dumb errors in the last couple minutes of the games. Vernon Adams was a phenomenal player. He threw a pick with like 13 seconds left to go, and that's how Towson beat us. Um, the semifinal loss of Sam Houston State, we were playing dual quarterbacks like you guys were all season. And we were down 35-0 to zero at halftime to Sam Houston State. Then Vernon Adams comes in, and we lose 42-45. to 45. It's not like we haven't been the better team that we've played. But we've just done, we've had bad coaching. So, and not bad coaching, but bad decisions in key situations, I guess. So I would say the big sky's been there. It hasn't been as competitive as the CAA or or Missouri Valley. We've really only had one team until 
last year um, where Weber State, you know, they proved to JMU that JMU wasn't as good as JMU thought they were. They still won, but it was proven they could be beaten. And I think the Big Sky has a couple teams this year that can do the same type of yeah, thing. I, I agree. I think this year might be the year that Ooh, changes. Um, I think UC Davis, Weber, and uh, obviously Eastern have the horses to get get it there this year, which I don't think we could say in years past. Obviously, we're still getting caught up to speed. I, I did say I kept an eye on the Big Sky, but by keeping an eye on the Big Sky, the only full games I had watched since probably 2013 have been North Dakota State at Montana to open the season a couple of years ago, and then I actually watched the Youngstown um, – Eastern semifinal game just because I think it was on the day before the famous Idaho potato bowl. So I did catch all that. And yep. uh, actually, no, I did watch you guys play all of um, university of Washington. Yeah. Washington. Um, State. But I, I think it does come down to, you know, it's weird and I don't want to pin it all down the bias. Uh, but I feel like when it comes to seeding and stuff, a lot of the time it's, uh, I mean, it's just, it's not necessarily bias. It's just the West is hard. Cause there's no such thing as like a close game. I know we get paired up based regionally now, um, but even that being said, I mean, regionally for Eastern Washington could be going, you know, to Illinois where uh, JMU, for instance, is going to like Villanova or, you know, somewhere that's only a short jaunt where it's not a four hour flight, including driving to Spokane. And I think it's just harder out West, I think, to make it the distance, but um that being said, like you said, Eastern's just had some heartbreaking games, especially Youngstown. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year we, we beat it. We'll see. I, I will say one thing, though. If you followed the Big Sky, and I'm sure you guys have seen it since your first year back, the conference is so big that we have super unbalanced schedules. So you're looking at, you know, Cal Poly, who has played the all the top-tier teams, you know, Weber, Eastern, um, UC Davis, and, and they keep playing all these top-tier teams where then you look at Montana. I mean, their hardest game is Montana State. So the unbalance of these schedules are, you know, kind of ridiculous. So in the playoffs, a lot of times we're not even sending our best players. They just got the luck of the draw, and they, they played four of the bottom teams instead of four of the top. Like NAU last year, I don't think they deserve mm-hmm. to be in the playoffs at all. And they missed three of the top four teams in the regular season from the big sky. So we're we're sending not our best teams because of the unbalanced schedules. At least that's my opinion. So, so it makes us look even worse than we really are when we're playing the top yeah, tier teams. I, I across agree the with that. And then, uh, so we're we're gonna move on to corner stool takes. Um, I'm, I know you listen, so uh, I don't know. We'll we'll let you even throw in an Eastern one. What's your corner stool take for the week? Simba Webster has 150 right. yards and two TDs. I'm gonna go with um, Mason Petrino has a throw over 40 yards for a touchdown. God. <laughs> you are you, <laughs> you guys know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I am going to say that Idaho gets a safety uh, for us. I I think I don't know if it's a snap over the head or something weird, but I I think we get a safety in this game. And I hope it's early, much like Super Bowl, um, you know, 48 when it went right over Peyton's head. I would love if it was first snap, and it's a very similar game that way, but. Um, that's what I'll go for with corner stool take. <laughs> Watching the TV, Kyler, since you are the all-around FCS guy, we'll have you go last because you'll have a better idea on all the games. Um, TJ, I'll let you have first crack at it. Hmm. What is your game of the week? Um, I'm pretty excited for the UC Davis uh, versus Montana game. Um, I think just matchup-wise, 
it's something we're going to see in the future. And I would kind of like to see Montana knock off UC Davis. And uh, I know it wouldn't help the conference, but um, it, I think it would look good. Uh, or I mean, it would help us out and help Eastern out. Uh, so I'm going to go with UC Davis versus Montana. Yeah, and, and for me, I'm going to go Stony Brook versus James Madison. Stony Brook came up with a, a big win uh, last week, and James Madison has still got a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth from the Elon game. Um, I, I see them trying to recapture as much you know, goodwill as they can in the polls. It's, it's starting to wrap up into the season, and it's all about playing for seeding now. And um, I'm not sure Stony Brook's as easy as – you know, they probably thought it was going to be going into the year. So I'll go. You had to keep an eye on a game that's going on practically at the same time as ours. Sony Brook at James Madison. Um, I'm going to jump down to the Southland. So Central Arkansas plays at McNeese. And both of these teams have a good shot to win the Southland Conference. And if one of them loses, that'll give them three losses on the season. And as what we've seen in the Southland is you're not guaranteed a playoff spot with only three losses. So this is almost a make-or-break-it type of game um, for the Southland Conference, in my opinion, and it could also decide the champion of that conference. Yeah, and then, so we're moving on to our one of our favorite parts of the podcast, the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Last week, TJ mm-hmm. and I both went 5-3, and three, which was awesome. Um, this week, they're not posted yet, but luckily for you all at home, we have the creator of the list of games for the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge that some of you did sign up for. Um, so, Kyler, if you would be so kind, we're going to pick them live with you. Perfect. Yeah, you guys get the first taste. Um, it's not even on our site yet. So, we have South Dakota State at Illinois State. I'll go South Dakota State on a rebound win. Yeah, I'm going to go SDSU as well. I'm going Illinois State on a rebound win. Um, we have Stetson at Davidson. I'm going Stetson. I know Stetson's the smarter choice, mm-hmm. but you know I'm going Steph Curry as Davidson. There you go. I'm actually going with Davidson too. It's at Davidson. They played not too bad. I'm going Davidson. Um, this is probably one of the better Big Sky games of the week. Um, Weber State at North Dakota. I'm going to go Weber. So North Dakota seems to have played pretty well against people at home. Mm-hmm. I know it's better for the conference if Weber wins, but... I think they're riding in high after the beatdown they had against Montana, and then they played really well against Sac State too. They're rolling right now. I think uh, Weber might get tripped up in this one on the on the road against a team who feels like they might be the best team in the conference right now. So I'll I'll take the Fighting Sioux. This this is a tough one for me. I'm fifty fifty, and I don't know who to pick, but I'm just gonna go with Weber because it makes Eastern look better. Um, I think their UND's quarterback is okay, and I think he's going to have some issues. Um, so I'm picking Weber. So we have Towson Ooh. at Delaware. Uh, I'm going Delaware. Yeah, I'll take the hands. I'm taking Towson. Um, Stony Brook at James Madison. Uh, yeah, Chris's game of the week. I'm going to go James, Mad- James Madison. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take JMU, even though don't turn that away from the my game of the week. I still think Stony Brook's going to make it interesting. Yeah, we're sweeping that. I'm picking James Madison as well. Um, so, Incarnate Word at Nichols. This also could decide the Southland. I'm going Nichols. You know, I know Incarnate Words had a like pretty great season this year, but Nichols and McNeese um, are just hard to pick against down there, so I'll take Nichols. Yeah, it's it's 100% an elimination game, I think. That that should be a fun one. Um, Central Arkansas at McNeese. I'm going uh, yeah, same McNeese. 
I'm going McNeese. I'm going McNeese. And then our the best game of the week. Northern Colorado at Ooh, Southern Utah. Oh, barn burner. Both have one win on the season. Um and I don't know one, if you remember this. I don't know if you do either, TJ. TJ picked the Bears to upset Northern Arizona last week. I I told you after uh, since their uh, shout out on Scott Van Pelt for uh, covering that spread, I'm going to go back with him. I'm going to go NCU. And I think you're rubbing off on me. I'm going to take the Bears and make <laughs> yeah. Ben happy. I'm I'm picking Southern Utah because at home. That's a tough place to play. They did They're up like in the cloud. three other receivers last week, though, mm-hmm. so they could be pretty short. They did have a lot of injuries. They yeah. need to drink more milk. They were on the field <laughs> a lot. Well, in Northern Colorado, they're down to their third string quarterback and like third string running back. So it's just going to be yeah. a battle of the backup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's the one guy healthier? That's going to be yeah. a fun one. All right. That's it. Well, That's it. Uh, we get to roll into the big sky now, which is fun. I went 5 1 last week. Heck yeah. Uh, TJ went 4-2. and two. You're lucky you picked uh, Northern Colorado. Otherwise, oh, you'd be there. sitting at 500 for back-to-back <laughs> weeks. UC Davis, number six UC Davis at Montana. I'm going to take UC Davis. Dan Hawkins has got him rolling. Hmm. I, I'm liking the Grizz in this one. I am oh. actually choosing the Grizz, even though I want UC Davis to win because it sets up an awesome match if we beat Idaho. But playing at Wagriz. I know they lost to Portland State, but it's just a different beast, and I don't know if UC Davis is ready for it. Yeah, that's true. It's probably the toughest place they've played yet, Uh, but I I still like Dan Hawkins. Um, Montana State at Idaho State. This could be a sneaky good game as well. Montana State is gliding a little bit under the radar, and Idaho State's coming off kind of a heartbreaking um, couple losses to UC Davis and then to Liberty last week. So I I actually think Montana State might go in the whole arena and beat them. And then the whole Idaho State conversation kind of becomes mute, unfortunately, because I was kind of liking how the Bengals were doing good for once. Yeah, I think in Holt Arena, in the Dome, I think Idaho State's going to pull this one out. I'm picking Montana State. They have a better defense than Idaho State does. Um, I think Montana State will be able to stop them. And I think it will be a a close game, Um, a 34-32 to type game maybe, um, because Idaho State can score, but... I'm picking Montana State. Yeah, I know you'll like this. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, so they are on their last four games of the year, and there have been rumors out of Bozeman that um, Bauman's getting some looks because redshirt no longer applies, and I know how you like him. So he's he's a beast. He's going to dominate the Big Sky for a while, yeah. I think, until he runs into Nick mm-hmm. Nair. Go Islanders. Uh, <laughs> Cal Poly versus Northern Arizona. God, dude, I. I'm new to it, but Northern Arizona has been so up and down this year. I feel like every time I think they're good again and I pick them, they lose. And every time I think they're not as good as they are, they win. I would kind of just pull them for Cal Poly because I just kind of like them. <laughs> but, so I'll pick Cal Poly, but honestly, I have no idea in that game. I'm, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go Lumberjacks. Is it at NAU? It is at NAU. They play pretty tough at NAU. Um, it'll be hard to go against them. But Cal Poly is actually putting it together a little bit. Um, at NAU, it's at NAU. So last game on the docket, Portland State versus Sac State. Ooh, another big one. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, I like the bees again. I'm going to go uh, Sac State. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings. I think they've had a little bit of a confidence resurgence, and I think um, they might be more on the line to be back to being kind of a pesky 
contender than they are a big sky dweller. So I think they might solidify as Sac State sitting in last place in the standings right now, only team without a conference win. And I think the streak continues. I think Portland State beats them in Sacramento. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Portland. They're actually they're actually a pretty talented team. Um I just don't know why they haven't been able to put it together. They have some studs. So I think Portland State can beat Sac State. Um, I'm going Portland State. All right. Well, that's it. We got our picks in. We'll make sure to let you guys know how Kyler did next week too, just because uh, per se, he's the expert here. So we'll see how good it is uh, or how well TJ and I do compared to him. But uh, it's time to close the bar. It's closing time. Time for our shameless plugs. What's going on in our life? Uh, TJ, do you have anything to go on real quick? Uh, I think hearing a little bit about how uh, Bozeman did their game day last week and kind of seeing uh, some of the videos of, of homecoming this weekend, our, our uh, fans got to step it up. Um, I think something it would be a good idea to have something on the uh, the edge of the dome to either let people know the time on the clock. Uh, you don't want to give away too much to just have the score out there, but something to, for people to get inside. Um, I think this is kind of a turning point to be in the big sky, and I think it's the end of a era for us to – be sitting out in the parking lot for the whole game. So let's come up with something, University of Idaho, to um, you know transfer that tailgate um, excitement into the uh, Kibbe Dome itself and get more people in seats. Yeah, and then my shameless plug, shout out to uh, Idaho Grown T-Cash. I got to meet you this week at um, College Game Day in Pullman. We were both up 4.30 in the morning. Uh, you were waving that gold vandal flag. Hi, I rewatched Game Day. I was looking for you. I kind of lost you in the crowd because it turns out uh, he's a taller guy and I'm a smaller guy. So I kind of was able to dip through it trying to find this my- like mythical guy in all yellow vandal stuff who was like almost front row with his black vandal flag. And I just wanted to get up to shake that guy's hand. And in the process, I kind of lost Idaho grown tea cash. But it was good seeing you. It was nice to meet you finally. You've been a you know big supporter of the pod. So shout out to you for being out there at 430 in the morning. Um, there was a good amount of vandals there, not as much as I thought. Shout out to North Dakota State. They had flags there, and so did Montana. I did not see any Eastern people, but to be fair to you guys, you have very similar colors to Wazoo, so it's possible you just were more camouflaged. Uh, but that that's my plug was college game day. It was great. Um, I want to thank Kyler for coming on. He's part of FCS Football Fans Nation, the Facebook page. They also have a website. They also have a podcast. They've expanded um, like crazy – I know most of you are probably aware of it, but to Kyler, I'm going to let you kind of explain what you guys do because we have a lot more listeners now than when uh, you guys joined us for the FCS you know, preview at the beginning of the year. Awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, we run FCS Fans Nation on social media. That's how it started. Um, we've launched our, our website. Now we run podcasts. But basically, we just want there to be more coverage for the FCS as a whole. A couple years ago, there was none. Um so yeah, we, we want all fans to be kind of directed into one site. And if you, hopefully the future is if you're ever looking for anything FCS related, you'll be able to find it through our page. Uh, possibly even, you know, you can look at for your guys' podcast on our page. Um, so we just want to funnel all FCS related stuff through us to make it easier for all the FCS fans across the nation. Yeah, obviously um, we encourage any of you guys out there who want to write for tubs of the club.com. Um, to reach out to us. We always are looking for people to write content, but you can also reach out to uh, FCS Fans Nation. They also always let people do guest articles. They have a lot of people that write there consistently. I actually have an article I wrote for them. Like he said, they have featured podcasts. So if you're somebody that just kind of stumbled across this who isn't a Vandal fan, there might be a podcast for your team out there or 
other FCS content, including theirs. Their podcast does a really good job of, you know, covering everything in the FCS and answer, they always answer everyone's questions. So if you have general questions, hit them up. Make sure you like the Facebook page. There's a lot of fun talk. They do official game threads on there. So, you know, for the bigger games, people are talking back and forth and discussing, and it really gets you involved in the FCS. If you're kind of liking this FCS thing and the traveling and everything, I strongly encourage you, if you haven't already, to check them out on Facebook and their website and just really get more involved because uh, it, it's fun and you guys really do do a really good job. And the community they have is absolutely phenomenal. Um, they get a lot of good questions and they're really responsive and everyone's really respectful of each other, which is rare to find these days. So I, I can't shout them out enough. And there's so much they do that you can't really cover, including the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em that we do every single week. Definitely more of you guys join next year, but Kyler, seriously, thank you for coming on. Thank you for all that you, Matthew, um, Kelsey, Wyatt, and Lawrence do. It's, it's really awesome, and I'm, you know, I'm glad you guys listen to us because we always listen to you. That being said, thank you for giving us another hour and a half of your lives again this week. We went long, short, long, but we really do appreciate it. You guys are also awesome at Tubbs at the Club and all you fans out there, and I've gotten to meet so much of you guys recently. I look forward to seeing you guys in Cheney. You can probably track down Kyler. Lawrence is going to be there from FCS Fans Nation and Kelsey. Uh, obviously, TJ and I are going to be there. Uh, Martin's going to be there. So make sure you make your way up to Eastern. It should be a great, great game. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you guys next week, November 1st, as we preview North Dakota and review, hopefully, the upset of the number five Eastern Washington Eagles. Now it's time. <laughs> For the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho, to play us out, go Vans. Go Vans.